This episode, we talk about the most frustrating part of being conservative in today's America. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm just an American. It is no secret that our nation is deeply divided. We hear about it and talk about it all the time. We decry cancel culture, and we lament the fact that so many of our media outlets are basically campaign arms for the Democratic politicians. But as an average American citizen, the most frustrating part of being a conservative in America lies deeper than all of those things. Those aspects of it are the symptoms of a much deeper problem. The most frustrating part of being a conservative in America is the constant misrepresentation of conservative ideas. Progressives around the country, from politicians and media figures to average American citizens, are constantly misrepresenting what it is that the conservative Americans actually believe, and then attacking those mischaracterizations and patting themselves on the back for winning the argument. This is true on nearly every single issue. For instance, Let's talk about an issue that is becoming very serious right now. Let's talk about illegal immigration. According to the left, conservatives don't like immigration because they hate Hispanic people. Since most of the illegal immigration happens on our southern border, and most nations south of us are Hispanic nations, then anyone who doesn't want illegal immigration must just hate Hispanic people. They write headlines that say that right-wingers hate immigration and immigrants. One of their favorite tactics is to leave out the word illegal and make it sound as though conservatives simply don't want anyone to immigrate here unless they are white. That is how they frame our argument, and it is a complete lie. Conservatives have zero problem with immigration. In fact, many of us are or are related to immigrants. My dad is an immigrant. He moved here from Italy when he was 19. My entire family on both sides are full of immigrants. None of my relatives came over on the Mayflower. They all moved here within the last hundred years. What conservatives have a problem with is illegal immigration. We have a problem with people coming over here in violation of our immigration laws. And we have a problem with the open border policies of the progressive left. And we have good reasons for these stances. There are two main reasons why we have immigration laws in this country. One, we want to control the number of people who move to the country on a yearly basis. And there is good reason for that. It takes time for infrastructure to catch up to population growth. Building new homes, schools, hospitals, police and fire stations takes time. When we control the population growth to a certain extent, then we can make sure that our infrastructure can keep up with that growth, which keeps the quality of life here good. The second main reason is because we want to know who is coming into our country. It is beyond bizarre to me that people have a problem with the argument that we do not want to allow criminals into our country. Drug dealers, human traffickers, and gang members are not welcome here. I have no problem saying that. Can someone please explain to me why this is remotely controversial? I have yet to hear an argument that makes sense against this. America has enough of our own criminals that we have to deal with. American citizens who commit crimes are our problems. Other countries shouldn't have to deal with our criminals, and we shouldn't have to deal with the criminals of other countries coming here. But this is where the misrepresentation of conservative ideas begins. If we talk about wanting to keep the criminals out, they say that we are calling all immigrants or all illegal immigrants criminals. And that is just not true. Everyone understands that there are people trying to come here because they want a better life for themselves and their families. And we all have empathy for people in that situation. We would all do the same thing. All of us who love our children and want the best for them would do anything in order to give them a better life. But that still doesn't mean that it's not true that some of the people coming here are criminals trying to make trouble. That is such a simple, basic fact. And the idea that we are pretending that that isn't the case, that both of those things can't be true at once, is really just bizarre to me. 
It was sickening to me when I had to hear Nancy Pelosi talk about the spark of divinity of MS-13 gang members. These are some of the most violent and ruthless people in the world. But in order to paint conservatives as racists, she wants to ignore that. And so many progressive Americans, because they hated Trump so much, went right along with her. Conservatives also understand that opening our borders is a recipe for disaster, and that disaster is playing out in real time. Joe Biden, in his first week as president, signed a bunch of executive orders that basically announced to the world that our borders are open again. And what we have now is a crisis. I think he set a record for the quickest creation of a major crisis of any president. So good job, everyone. The border is being flooded with people, and we can't process them fast enough. Therefore, the kids are still in cages. Democrats don't really seem to have that much of a problem with that now that Joe Biden is president, but the kids are definitely still in cages. People are being released into the country who are COVID positive, and they are begging for volunteers at the border to try and handle this situation because they are so overwhelmed. It has been made very clear that there is a reason why we and almost every other country in the world has immigration laws and secure borders. Most of the nations south of us have very tight border security and immigration laws for people who are trying to enter their countries. Why is it that only the United States is racist for wanting to have secure borders? Because it is all a lie. They are misrepresenting because they can't come up with arguments in favor of open border policies that make sense. Americans don't want open borders and their policies wouldn't be popular. It's so much easier to just call us all racists. I've talked about this before, but especially when you take these policies and you combine them with other democratic policies, the idea that they want open borders and then they also want to offer free health care to all illegal immigrants and tax benefits and, you know, the stimulus money that is going for COVID that's going to go to people who are in the country illegally. When you combine all of these things together, it doesn't it's it's completely illogical and it doesn't make sense. And so, again, it is just so much easier to just call us all racist than to have to face the reality of those arguments. And this is the trend that we see time and time again on issue after issue. Progressives don't want to spend time talking about the merits of arguments. They want to go straight to attacking the motivations behind the arguments. I could spend all day going over examples of this. On the issue of abortion, for example, the pro-choice folks always say about pro-lifers that the reason we are pro-life is because we want to control women. We want to control what women do with their bodies and the choices they make in their lives. This isn't true. The reason why people are anti-abortion is because we don't believe it's acceptable to kill innocent, living human beings as a birth control method. That is the reason. Now, you can have your views as to why you think abortion is acceptable and why you believe that women should have that choice. You can have your views as to when a human life attains its value and deserves protection under the law. And you can offer your defense for holding those views. But to say that the reason why people are against it is anything other than us not wanting babies to be killed is a lie. And I can offer proof that controlling women isn't the motivation. The proof is that there is no other category where women's bodies are trying to be controlled. There is no proposed legislation anywhere in the country to make plastic surgery illegal. No one cares if a woman gets a mole removed or has a tumor removed or has liposuction. And guess what? No one is even trying to make birth control illegal. There is not one piece of legislation being proposed anywhere in the country to make birth control illegal. People may not want to pay for birth control that they don't feel is moral, but not paying for something is not stopping you from attaining it. I really hate that argument. If it were, then anyone who doesn't pay for my groceries next week is preventing my children from eating. Doesn't work so well when applied in other situations, does it? On the issue of gun control, what we hear is that conservatives don't care about children dying. That is why we want to continue to be able to own firearms, because we just really don't care if innocent people are murdered. In fact, we like it. But the truth is that the reason why Americans want to be able to own firearms is because we want to protect innocent life. I want to be able to protect my children if anyone comes into my house with the intent of hurting us. 
We want to be able to stop a bad guy who wants to hurt innocent people. And as a five foot four female without a gun, there's very little I would be able to do on that front. That's why guns are called the great equalizers. And we want to ensure freedom and liberty. There is no better way to keep a government in check than to have an armed citizenry. Why can't we acknowledge that people on both sides of this argument want to protect innocent life and we just have different ideas about how to do that? People want to own guns because they believe that is the best way to protect innocent lives and freedom. But instead, what we hear in the gun control battle is that the Second Amendment advocates just love mass shootings, or at the very least, do not care about innocent deaths, that they put profits in gun sales over the lives of innocent people, attacking the motivations instead of discussing the merits of the argument. And now we are seeing this argument play out in the discussion of the COVID vaccines. People who were hesitant about taking the vaccines are being accused of being anti-vaxxers and anti-science. Dr. Fauci came out recently and said that anyone who is hesitant about getting these experimental vaccines, that that position is disturbing, that he cannot understand why. He said that he cannot understand why so many Republicans won't get the vaccine out of, quote, political consideration, and that Trump should come out and encourage people to get vaccinated because that would make a huge difference in vaccine hesitancy among Republicans. This is yet another example of misrepresenting conservative views and, quite frankly, not understanding conservatives at all. It is so blatant that I have to wonder if it is a willful misunderstanding, choosing to be dismissive of people's concerns rather than having to address them. Republicans aren't weary about the vaccine because of politics or because of Trump. It is public knowledge that Trump got the vaccine. The Trump administration was instrumental to developing the vaccines. The first vaccines if in the United States, if we can remember, were administered in December. Biden was not yet president. It wasn't the Biden administration who did that, despite their jump to try and take all of the credit. Trump absolutely did encourage people to take the vaccine in his last weeks in office. If it was just a matter of seeking Donald Trump's seal of approval, there would be no issue at all. Here are the reasons why some people are hesitant about taking the vaccine. Not one of the COVID vaccines has actually been fully approved by the FDA. No one knows the long-term side effects or consequences of these vaccines. And there is actual evidence to support this view. The Moderna vaccine has been causing a side effect called COVID arm, where some people who got the vaccine developed a rash on their arm from the vaccine. Medical experts admitted that they are not sure why this is happening. They will argue that you should still get the vaccine because a rash is less dangerous than COVID might be for you. But that is actually missing the point. The point is that this is a side effect that they had no idea would happen until they administered this vaccine to millions of people. The COVID vaccine that was made by AstraZeneca and approved in several European countries for use has now been suspended by around a dozen countries, including Germany, France, Italy, the Netherlands, and Ireland, over concerns that it is causing blood clots. Blood clots are a very serious and possibly deadly condition. Now, AstraZeneca are saying that there is no evidence that the vaccine is causing the increase in blood clots and that the occurrence of the blood clots in people who've taken the vaccine is actually lower than what would normally be expected to occur in the population. But the concern is great enough for a dozen Western European countries to suspend using the vaccine at a time when their cases are increasing and Italy is actually going back into lockdowns. That to me is significant. They had no idea that this was a possible side effect until, again, the drug was administered to millions of people. The question people have is that if these side effects are popping up unexpectedly, what else do we not know about it? Is it really unreasonable for people to not want to be the test subject here? 
God bless the people who are willing to be in and to participate in clinical trials. But those trials are done on volunteers for a reason. We should not be forcing anyone to be a guinea pig for medical testing. At this point, we know enough about COVID-19 to have a good idea of who is at risk of serious complications of the illness. A recent CDC study found that 78% of COVID deaths were in people who were overweight. We know that it is dangerous for the elderly and people with other health conditions. So if you fall into those categories, your personal risk assessment probably tells you that taking the vaccine makes more sense than not taking it. And I think that's great. I'm not telling anybody that they shouldn't take the vaccine or that they should. I think that every individual person needs to make their own decision. But if you are young and you are healthy and you are in good physical shape, the risks of the unknown of the vaccine might not be worth it. And when they talk about a vaccine for children, people are definitely hesitant. It it isn't about being anti-vaccine. My kids are fully vaccinated, but the vaccines I allowed to be put into their bodies have been around for many years, and we know the long-term potential risks. We don't know the full story of this vaccine, and anyone who tells you that we do is lying to you. They can't even tell us how long the protection is going to last. They can't even tell us how long the antibodies are going to last and how long it's going to be before you're going to need a booster. And yet they're telling you that they 100% know what the long-term side effects are. That just doesn't make sense. None of my assessments of this situation change because of what Donald Trump says. Trump took the vaccine. He encouraged people to take the vaccine. It is a complete misunderstanding of the concerns that people have to simply say that we will just do it if Trump tells us to or that our concerns are purely political. And truly, making those accusations will not convince a single reluctant person to take the vaccine. Fauci's biggest problem in this entire pandemic situation is his complete lack of understanding or willingness to understand anyone who isn't willing to blindly follow him. His problem is that in the face of all his flip-flopping and bad advice, he chooses to attack American citizens as the problem. His inability to listen and understand people who don't want to obey his every whim makes him the absolute wrong person for the job that he is currently doing. And his recent comments about the fact that the reason why so many people are hesitant about taking this vaccine is because of politics is just even more proof of that. Let's look at yet another hot topic right now, voting rights. Conservatives are constantly being attacked as trying to stop people from voting, trying to disenfranchise people. We hear this all the time on the issue of voter ID. I have to show my ID when I drive, when I buy alcohol, when I go to work, and about a million other situations. But the most important thing that I do, vote to determine the direction of our country, and I am told that we cannot ask people for an ID, that doing so is somehow racist? How is it racist to ask people to provide ID? It isn't. I happen to believe that non-white Americans are just as capable of obtaining IDs as white Americans. If you don't believe that proving who you are is important for voting, then fine, hold that view. But enough with the accusation that anyone who wants voter ID is racist or somehow wants to use that to prevent black Americans from voting. That is simply not true. Another lie attacking conservative motives instead of discussing the merits of the cause. Conservative viewpoints are constantly being misrepresented in our culture. So we need to ask, why is that happening? There are a few reasons. First of all, our Republican politicians just aren't that good at explaining conservative positions. Maybe it is because many of them aren't actually conservative at all, which is a huge problem for our side of the aisle. Another reason is that the main voices in this country are all leftists. When leftists dominate the media, they get to paint whatever caricature of Republicans that they want, and their viewers and listeners are happy to believe what they are saying, so they believe it. When you believe that your political opponents are racist, sexist, bigots, and homophobes, it's really easy to say that you are on the right side of history. 
When Joy Reid says that Republicans in America would trade all the tax cuts in the world for the ability to use the N-word again, she is deliberately and directly telling her viewers that all Republicans are racists. And the reason she is doing that is to prevent her viewers from being open to conservative ideas, because no one wants to listen to anyone who is a racist. If I'm a black American and I think you hate me simply because of the color of my skin, I wouldn't want to listen to you. I completely understand that perspective. The problem is, is that it is based on a lie. Republicans are no more racist than Democrats. Believe me, racism and anti-Semitism are alive and well on the left in America. The extremists on both sides are ugly and guilty of this. But it is the perception that wins the day. They do this because discrediting people is a great way to win an argument. If I can discredit you right from the get-go, then I don't have to worry about you making a good argument and me not being able to rebut it. I'm cutting you off at the pass. So that is a huge part of this and what we are seeing. But I think another problem is that conservative positions are more nuanced and they actually take time to fully walk through. In our fast-paced, 30-second soundbite culture, few people have the patience to listen to the full explanation of our views. It is a lot easier to say, all people deserve health care, than to take the time to explain all of the pitfalls of government-controlled health care, and then to explain that conservatives want to help people, but just believe that the private options are more efficient. It takes a lot less time to say the minimum wage should be $15 so that all people can make decent money than to explain the economics behind the job loss that occurs with that and what the minimum wage is meant to do and how businesses work. Each week on this podcast, in order to truly dive into an issue and feel like I have fully explained my take on it, I end up talking for at least 20 to 30 minutes. It takes time to actually explain these extremely complicated and multifaceted situations. It simply can't be adequately done in two-minute sound bites or in 220 characters on Twitter. But in that amount of time and space, you have plenty of room to call someone a racist or a sexist or accuse them of simply hating poor people. But mostly, this occurs because it is simply easier to deride and dismiss people who disagree with you than to actually have to defend one's positions. Now, I want to be very clear in what I am saying right now. I believe in conservative ideas because I think they make logical sense and are proven to work and be the best in the real world. But I know that many people on the left have good arguments to support their views. If you are someone on the left who accurately describes my views on a subject and then proceeds to tell me why you disagree with what I'm saying, I can respect that. Absolutely. No matter how vehemently I may disagree with you, if we are having an honest conversation, I can respect whatever views you have. But when people create a straw man by attributing to me arguments I'm not making or motivations that I don't have, I cannot respect that because that isn't an honest conversation. The problem with attacking people's motives instead of discussing topics is that you cannot possibly truly know someone's heart. When people tell me that I only want secure borders because I am a racist, I know that isn't true. I know that that is not the reason why I believe what I believe. I know that and God knows that. And quite frankly, as long as God knows what is in my heart, I really don't care what you think about it. So the only thing you are doing in accusing me of being racist is diminishing your own credibility because you are making an assertion that you are clearly wrong in. And if you are wrong in that, why should I take anything else you say seriously? Now, you may listen to the things I say today and totally disagree with me. You may think that my concerns about the COVID vaccine are unfounded or wrong. You may disagree with my take on abortion or gun control, and that's fine, just as long as you are being intellectually honest about what my ideas and thoughts are. If you are painting me as a racist who doesn't care about children or if old people die and who doesn't want the vaccine because I hate Democrats, then you are wrong and there's no point in talking to you. The problem I have is not with people who disagree with me. The problem I have is with people who misrepresent me or my ideas or my motivations. If you are doing that, then you are not being honest. And this is being done constantly at the level of our national dialogue. 
This is the real reason why we as Americans can't talk to each other. It's why we can't understand each other because we aren't being honest about our opinions. And while I know that this, of course, is also done by the right wing as well, our culture is so full of leftist people with voices and platforms that the true representation of leftist opinions is everywhere. But people actually have to dig and listen and want to understand conservative views to truly do so. They need to seek out real conservatives to listen to our beliefs instead of just doing the easier thing, which is to listen to the inaccurate but easily condemned caricatures of us that are painted by CNN and MSNBC. This lack of honesty is the most frustrating thing about being a conservative in America, and it is the biggest hill that we have to climb. We on the right have to do better about communicating the reality of our positions and ideas. Our ideas are good ones, which is why the left battles them, by lying about them and trying to silence us. We have to keep speaking the truth and working to break through those barriers. We'll be right back with our three questions of the week. Question number one is sent to us by Jeff. Why do conservative media outlets not spend more time diving into topics with their guests instead of forcing them into 60 second sound bites? Um, well, if, you, if we're talking about, you know, mainstream media outlets like Fox News, for example, I mean, that's just the media model. You know, they basically are they, how they make money is through their ads and through their advertisers. And so they have those hard commercial breaks that they have to, you know, go to. And they just, you know, try to pack in, you know, people tune into those news networks and those those news shows at the end of the day sometimes in order to get the news of the day. And so they have a variety of topics to cover because every day is so jam-packed with different things that are going on that they have such a variety of topics to cover that it's, it's, it's just very difficult to have more long-term interviews and in-depth conversations in that type of media outlet. So I think that that is the reason why. <clears throat> but it is a problem. It is a problem for conservative ideas because, again, conservative ideas are are not always the most obvious ones. I mean, again, you know, going back to, you know, the ideas of universal health care. Everybody hears that nobody, you know, we don't want poor people to die because they don't have access to health care because they can't afford health care. I mean, there's no one who disagrees with that. You know, like people on the right in America don't disagree with that. We just have different ideas about the solutions to that problem. You know, we tend to believe that that problem is better served through private charities and through the privatization of our healthcare industry because when you have privatization and when you have competition and when you have the free market, it always in every situation gives you the best quality and the best service for the best and most competitive price. But that but, you know, you really have to dig deep into that topic. You have to explain why that is. You have to explain what that could potentially look like. Um, it's just a lot easier to say all people should afford health care or be, have access to health care. It's a lot easier to say health care is a right. It's a lot easier to say, you know, nobody should die because they can't afford health care. And people will hear that and they go, well, yeah, I agree with that. Therefore, I must agree with the leftist positions. So it's it's definitely a problem the 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 way that the media, the mainstream media, the cable news networks are designed um, is is definitely puts the burden more on conservatives to be able to, you know, take these really complicated ideas and and shorten them into a short period of time, which is why I think that more people are, uh, especially on the conservative side, they are they do tend to look towards alternate 
uh, media outlets, right? So so conservatives will definitely tune into radio programs. I mean, Rush Limbaugh, who just recently passed away, he was on the air for decades, right? Three hours every single day. Dennis Prager has a radio show where he's on the air for, I think, two hours or three hours every single day. Plus, he does his fireside chats on Fridays, which are usually about, I think, like 40 minutes long or something. And of course, the podcasts. I mean, podcasts are super popular among conservatives because they are able to actually, you know, talk for as long as they want about whatever whatever the issue is. And so I think that that is why conservatives tend to flock more towards the alternate media. And the problem is, is that, you know, we need to just more and more, we need to get average Americans uh, tuning into that. Because I think, you know, a lot of people listen to podcasts, but does, you know, when people are just like, okay, where do I get my news? People who maybe aren't super political, who aren't super into it, you know, are they going to spend the time to listen to an hour podcast? I mean, I'm a super political person. I am very into, you know, all of like the things that are going on in the culture and, and all of these ideas. I love talking about like really important ideas, but it's hard. It's very hard for, for average Americans to be able to, to take the time to actually dive into some of these more complicated issues. Okay. Question two comes from Claire. Recent reports show that cable news ratings have been down double digits. If the cable news model goes away, how will middle-of-the-road Americans get their news? So that's actually really interesting. I hadn't heard that cable news ratings um, are down double digits. So if that's true, I actually find that highly entertaining because, man, they must be missing Donald Trump because <laughs> Trump was a ratings driver. And I, I had a feeling that was going to happen, that once he was silenced, you know, once he was censored, I should say, outside, you know, of of the White House that, you know, it was like, wow, all of your all of the things that got you guys attention is now gone. So if the cable news model goes away, how will the middle of the road Americans get their news? I don't think it's going to go away, to be honest. I mean, things always change, but I don't I think that it takes a lot for these really powerful organizations to actually go away. So I think that they're always going to be there. But I do think that I would love to see middle of the road Americans get their news through other sources, you know, get their news, you know, yes, through the media or yes, through um, just social media and websites and all sorts of different things like that. I would love to see Americans maybe not focus so much on the news of the day when it comes to politics. I mean, obviously, when it comes to other things. It's important to know what's going on in the world. But when it comes to politics, like, I mean, honestly, who cares about the, the the latest jab that Nancy Pelosi wants to take towards Republicans? Like, who cares about all of the little political infighting that that's happening through different members of Congress? Like, how does that affect my life as an American? You know, I care about issues that actually matter. You know, things, again, I always talk about this, but like philosophical issues, theological issues, like what is the best way to live our life? What is the best way to run our country? And these are deep issues than what can be, you know, covered on, on the news networks. I would, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to have news organizations kind of separate out from all of these things where it's like you have some news organizations that are like, okay, we're just going to tell you what happened today. And that's kind of how it maybe used to be is like the news organizations would say, you know, the newspapers and, and, and the nightly news, it's like, well, this is what happened today. And then you can go and make your, make your own views on it and delve into what this means in the bigger philosophical issues of life. Now, what you have is all of these media outlets are just basically campaigns. I mean, that's really all they are, whether it's on the right or the left, it's just campaigns. What they are doing is trying to convince people of their perspective. And so it's just kind of this messed up broken system. And I think it's just, it's, I don't have the answer, but I think it's going to take a lot to fix it, to make it something that's a lot healthier. All right. Question number three comes from Andrea. 
Now that Trump is no longer president, do you think conservative ideas can be sought after in the mainstream without being derided by the usual dismissive orange man bad answer? They are going to milk orange man bad for as long as possible. They are just going to talk about Trump for as long as they possibly can. Um, And I mean, this is something that we see on both sides, Um, you know, after every change in presidents or a change in political party, you know, it's everything that's good is given credit to your side and everything that's bad is blamed on the other side. Right. So, you know, for conservatives, it's like everything that's bad that's happening right now is Biden's fault and all the good things we're going to give credit to Trump. And for the Democrats, it's the other way around. Right. Like everything good in the country is because we have Joe Biden as president and anything in the country that's still bad is is like leftover remnants of Donald Trump. So so we all do that to a certain extent. But I mean, they like I said, I mean, just for their ratings and everything they they want to talk about Trump as as long as possible, which is why it's actually kind of they shot themselves in the foot in the foot by by censoring him on Twitter, because I think that he would have given them a lot more to talk about right now, which would have assisted them in distracting away from Joe Biden's, you know, debacles and and, and failures and, and all of the things that that's going on with him. And so now they don't have that. And so they kind of are stuck. But so can conservative ideas be sought after? No. The thing that we have to remember is that it is absolutely true. It is absolutely true that the reason why these leftists hated Trump is because they hate us. It's not the other way around. They don't hate us. They don't hate conservative Americans or the so-called MAGA people. They don't hate us because they hate Trump and we support Trump. They hate Trump because they hate us. They hate conservative Americans. They hate religious Americans. You can see this, you know, with all of the co- the media coverage and all the outrage this week over the announcement that the Pope, you know, announced that he was not going to give the Catholic Church the okay to bless to bless same-sex mar- marriages. And it was just kind of amazing to me that everybody's so outraged about it and it's like, so you're outraged because the Pope is upholding Christian teachings, because the Pope is upholding biblical teachings. Why are you outraged about that? You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe the Bible. Like, you don't have to do any of that. But the church is talking about and upholding a teaching that is explicitly clear in the Bible. I mean, honestly, like anybody who says that the Bible is not clear on this issue, you're you're just not reading the actual Bible, you know? So you can not like it. You cannot believe in the Bible. You can say, I, I, the Bible is nothing to me. I don't believe in God. And I mean, that's fine. Like you have every right to that opinion. But if you actually read it, then you're going to know that that's what this is. And they, you know, any they only love Pope Francis when he says something that falls in line with progressive ideology. So when he goes on about climate change, then, oh my gosh, he's so wonderful. But when he talks about abortion or when he talks about same-sex marriage and he doesn't toe the progressive line, then they're all outraged and shocked and whatever. They don't hate, they didn't hate Trump because they hate, because they hated Trump. They hated Trump because he represented conservative America. Okay. I am actually old enough to remember when Mitt Romney was running for president before he was the darling of the left because he was anti-Trump. Okay. Mitt Romney was absolutely annihilated by the left. He was accused of being a racist. He was, you know, Joe Biden told a group of African-Americans that, you know, if this guy gets elected, he's going to put y'all back in chains. He was accused, the war on women in America, that phrase started with Mitt Romney's candidacy. So, I mean, just give me a break, okay? Like, I am old enough to remember all of the different people. And you know what? Guess what? Guess what we're going to hear, okay? As soon as whoever the candidate is that's going to run for president on the Republican ticket in 2020, becomes, you know, known if it's someone other than Trump. Let's say it's someone other than Trump. When that person becomes known, they're going to go after them just as viciously as they went after Donald Trump. And you know what they're going to say? Well, 
at least Trump didn't do this, this or that. At least Trump wasn't that bad as this person because of this, this or that. I mean, again, I remember I remember George W. Bush's presidency. The left in America hated that man. The vitriol against that man was honestly, it was second only to the vitriol against Donald Trump. But it's not about the specific man. It is about conservative ideas. And whoever the next candidate's going to be, mark my words, the vitriol and the hatred, the accusations of racism, the accusations of sexism, all of those things are going to be just as strong against whoever that candidate is, if not stronger, than it was against Trump. And then when Trump is no law is like, dude, I'm done. I'm not doing politics anymore. I'm not going to run for president again. All of a sudden, it's going to be just like George W. Bush, where it's like, well, you know, he wasn't that bad. At least he wasn't as bad as Trump. They the vitriol is because they hate conservative America. They hate conservative Americans. All of us average folks with our, you know, I mean, Barack Obama said it right. All of these folks that cling to their guns and their Bibles. Right. They hate us. They hate our ideas. And so. No, you know, people aren't going to seek out conservative ideas. So what is the solution? You know, the solution is that conservatives in America need to just keep speaking the truth about what it is that we believe. We have to keep pushing through the personal attacks. We have to keep pushing through the vitriol and the hatred and the mischaracterizations. We have to keep pushing through the lies to say, okay, you know what? This is what we believe. And we need to have these conversations. This is actually one of the main reasons why I started doing this podcast or why I decided to you know, do this is because I think that what we really need in this country is more conservatives speaking out and taking the time to actually say, let me explain why I believe what I believe. Okay. I'm, I don't spend my, my time here attacking people. I don't spend my time here calling people names. I don't spend my, my time here, you know, with the ad hominem attacks or attributing motives to people, you know, that, that I don't think that they actually, you know, that they don't actually hold. Okay. I talk about issues. I talk about information that I have, observations that I have. And if I do call somebody out, because I know I do, I mean, I've called out Bernie Sanders and I've called out Dr. Fauci. I tell you why. Okay. It's not just like, oh, well, Dr. Fauci just, you know, he just wants to take away all of our freedoms and he's just a little, you know, mini dictator. I don't say stuff like that. I say, here are the things that he says and here is why I think that he is wrong. And those are the conversations that we need to have as Americans. I am perfectly open to listening to people who disagree with me. I am perfectly open to hearing the arguments against the things that I have have to say, the only thing I ask is that you honestly listen and you honestly represent my views and you don't misrepresent my views just because those misrepresentations are easier for you to argue against than what my actual views are. Thank you for taking a moment out of your day to talk about the mischaracterization of conservative views in America. I will be back next week with another deep dive into issues affecting American life from the perspective of just an American. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps each and every week. Also, please share this episode with a family member or a friend so we can help spread the word. You can follow me on Twitter at JJAnAmerican. You can also message the show by sending an email to JJ at I'mJustAnAmerican.com or visiting our Locals page at I'mJustAnAmerican.Locals.com. You can also follow the show on Instagram at I'm Just an American. This episode was produced and edited by Brian White. Music for this episode was written and performed by Michael Beatty.